So welcome this evening. Uh, well, just to take a moment to introduce you. Most some of you were here last time because we spoke to my friend Joe Charnas. He's speaking to us tonight, very qualified in all kinds of subjects. But uh, he's going to speak, I think, a bit about Shavuot tonight. I think he's going to start. You were going to sing a song also. You sing you get the music. So anyways, without any further ado, at the time, I'd like to turn the carpet here over to Mr. Uh, may I pull oh, Mike here from you? Yeah, uh, how about you uh, daven a little bit? Daven? Okay. <laughs> so we say, blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the Universe. We thank you so much for this evening, and uh, just ask your blessing on this evening, on our time together. And again, thank you so much for Joe and Yael coming out tonight. And just uh, pray that we would all receive something from Joe, Joe would receive something from us, and that we would all receive something from you, Lord. We pray these things in Yeshua's mission. Amen. 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 So David just said something that I want to emphasize that he hopes you receive something from me and he hopes that I receive something from you. And I, I want to say it up front. I don't know who was here last time or who I met on besides you um, and who I saw on Shabbos a few weeks ago. But I, I want you guys to know, and I'll probably say it every time, that I come here because I do get something from almost all of you. No exception. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, truthfully, you're a wonderful community, and the Jews in the Bible are told to be an orlegoyim, or an orlegoyim, as Chaim would say in his compromised Hebrew. We've got an Israeli here tonight, so watch the problem. We've got an Israeli here? All right. Like you, so. Where, where? Eifel. Okay. All right. Asher Gidishan Mitzvah Yisav Mitzvah Yisav Mitzvah There. That's how we pronounce it in this world. On this side of the world. So, but you, you also, as far as the Yidden, as far as the Jews being an Orla Goyim, a light unto the nations, I want you to know that you as human beings and as devoted followers of, of your own path, which we share certain aspects and we differ in certain areas. I believe, and I'll get in trouble for saying it, I'm sure, so don't quote me, but I, I believe you are truly, uh, all, you're also an Orla Goyim. You are all here, wonderful people that I've, all the people that I've met. Uh, I sometimes get a little grief from your rabbinate and wonder why I come back. You know, good old David Katz, where is he? There you are. You see, that light is blinding me, I can't see. Um, you know, David sends me a text one time, wants my address. And so I, I made a little crack. I said, my address is 666 Satan Circle, Hades, <laughs> you know, blah, blah, blah. And so what does David do? He says, not your future address, your current address. <laughs> and I still come back. Still come. So, anyways, we together are, are lights unto the nations. We have a different light. But we are both lights unto the nations. And I, I love coming here. I, I'm not a type of individual who goes around. The, you know, every religion has its own Lushan, its own Lashon, its own language. And... Christians often speak much more of, we love you, we love you. It's not my thing. I love people, but I don't go around saying it all the time. But I will say that I, I honestly love coming here, and I love being with you guys, whether it was on Shabbos or our, our events of, uh, you know, tonight. I love it, and you guys are wonderful. So thanks for having me, and let's get started. The last time, and tell me if I did this, I, I always like to preface... <coughs> a study with a kavana or a kavana, an intention, a direction. Because what's more important is not what I say or what we study, but our awareness and our approach to the sacred. And so the Hasidim of old, the ancient pious ones, the Talmud, the oral law, it's written of them that before they prayed, they would study to prepare themselves to be able to pray. So before we study, I sort of use that as a mashal, a mashal, as a metaphor, that before we go into a sacred text, we have to move ourselves out of our secular context so that we can move more holistically and organically into our sacred text. 
Last time, I asked David, because I just turned 50, so I don't remember what I did last time. <laughs> but I know I did something with Adam, the word Adam. But I'd like to develop it. And if I did it, uh, everybody read Hebrew or no? <laughs> Sounds like no. <laughs> All right. And certainly not my scribble. <laughs> All right. Sorry about that. Um, with Adam. The word Adam. Okay. So I said basically that, and this gives you an insight into the rabbinic or Judaic, Hebraic culture that we all share here. The word Adam can mean a human being, generally, or it can mean a human specific human. Now, according to the rabbis, when a word is chosen that has more than one possible nuance, that was intentional. If you go to seminary where Chaim and David went, and you study Hebrew, they'll probably tell you something different. But I'm telling you rabbinically, the way the rabbis understand Hebrew, not the modern constructs of Hebrew that the, the German theoreticians and linguists came up with, but this is how the rabbis do it. A word that has numerous sub-meanings, in addition to the main root, this word was chosen because it has those nuances. It wasn't accidental. If I say you're mean, and what do you mean, and you're a statistician, give me the mean, uh, that's accidental. No relation. That's English. Hebrew, if a word has more than one meaning, and the poet chooses it, or the author, Yes, there is a standard meaning, but those other nuances come into play. Otherwise, he would have chosen a simpler word that didn't have the other nuances. So Adam, we briefly said, it means it's one human being or uh, uh, humanity. I guess I can't write H and H, can I? So it means a human or a bunch of humans, okay, humanity. However, because, and the reason is because it's not just applying to one human being. That's pshat, as we say. The simple, the, well, pshat means the simple meaning, but in, in yeshivish, in yeshiva language, pshat means what's the deeper meaning, not just the simple meaning. It applies to the human because it means a human, but it also applies to humanity because it means humanity. If they wanted it to apply solely to a human, they would have chosen another word. Okay, I know, shagibor, whatever. But they chose one that has both. But in addition to being a single or a collective, it also, according to the rabbis, has the word dam in it. So adam, you can see the root, A-D-A-M. But it has dam in it, which means blood. So that's giving us an insight into what we are. And whatever this else this describes applies to us as individuals and us as a collective group. So we are physical, in other words. So it's a great secular text. The Bible is now secular. We are blood. And it also means earth, adama, right? Or adama, as we would say, right, Kai? So, adam is a human, and what does a human being consist of? Dam and adama. That doesn't change the root. The root is still the basic meaning, but this suffix just adds another meaning. So we are blood and earth. So in modern terminology, we're blood and guts, we're physical. But Adama can also be read as Adameh. Okay? Same ending. Adama, Adameh. Just a different, it's a segol versus a pata or a kamatz. Adameh means, there's a pasuk in Yeshaya. Um, <coughs> chapter 14, somewhere. And it says, Adameh Elyon. I will be like God, but it doesn't really mean I will be like God. It's a Hebraic poetic metaphor for you have a spiritual dimension to you, a soulful dimension. So that those three aspects of blood, dam, adama, earth, and adameh, that potential, that's the more, I guess we could say it that way, you have the potential to be like God, to be spiritual. Those three components make us make up the human. Now, we may not realize that. We may end up just being you know, a foul human being. But we have that great potential within us. And the problem is we often don't focus on that. Even though we all have religious paths, we may not truly focus on that potential. 
to be spiritual. And here's a beautiful story. When God asks Adam in the Garden Eden, in the Garden of Eden, where are you? He uses the word ah. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to figure out how to spell it. Uh, yeah. Ka. Okay? Yeah. That means where are you? Now it's not a particularly common word. And when there's an uncommon word chosen, it's because there's an uncommon nuance to it. It's chosen because there's something unique or uncommon about it. <clears throat> Ayeka, here's the Hebrew. You can read this, Ayeka, where are you? And remember I said, Adam, and all the stories that happened to Adam were to Eve. Adam is you, Adam is you, Adam is you, Adam is me. Eve is you, 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 you. It applies to all of us. They're, they're, they're historic stories, but they're also metaphoric stories that apply to us in life. They are our stories. Okay? I'm not Eve, but Eve applies to me. You're not Adam, but Adam applies to you. Uh, so when God asks Adam, Ayeka, where are you? Big deal. I remember one genius told me on a panel, an atheist, God is not omniscient. Because he didn't even know where Adam was in the Bible. In the garden. I said, no, all that shows me is that you don't know how to read a biblical story. So, Ayeka means where are you? But it also, this same spelling, can mean Echa. Okay, and I'll tell you Echa in a moment. This question to Adam is your question. Is your question is my question. Not God asking me where I am, but me asking myself. Where am I? In relation to being an Adam, an Adamet, that potential for being spiritual. If I don't ask myself where I am in my own spiritual life, that's my Ghanai, my Garden of Eden. If I don't ask that, I'm going to end up not Ayeka with that word, where are you, but with the word A-ha, which is the first word in the Book of Lamentations, which means, whoa. Like, oh, you bet. Okay? <clears throat> Alas, I'm lost. I'm alienated. I am my whole sacred. Jeremiah is writing about lamentation about the destruction of the temple. This word means I am lost and isolated and alone. Why? Because my temple is destroyed. That's the context of lamentations. How does my temple, personally, or your temple, get destroyed? How do you become an Echa, a lost, alienated soul? By not asking Ayeka. If we don't ask where we are in our spiritual lives, if we don't try to discover our own Ghanaian, our own spiritual garden, if we don't ask where we are in life, Ayeka, we end up Echa. Same letters. I'm not saying it's the same etymology, but it is the same letters. And that's more important than etymology for the rabbis. Rabbis are poets, and they find paths of life in words. Okay, It's not the etymology that's important, it's the sound. And if the sound wasn't the same, then it wouldn't have a connection. But it's not a coincidence that these two words have the same sound, the same letters. I mean, the same letters. It's there to teach you that there's a connection. If you don't ask, where are you, or where am I, Ayeka, we end up, Echa, alone, lost, alienated, cut off from our sacred structure. So, that's just an overview of how we must daily approach and ask ourselves where we are in relation to our own Ghanaian and our own spiritual lives. We're coming up on a holiday called Shavuos, Shavuot, in the Bible, Hebrew Bible. New Testament is called Pentecost. I have a feeling I'm not going to get to Pentecost. <laughs> but we will, it'll take a few weeks. How's that? That's good. Shavuos means weeks. Taking heads. I'm going to explain it more if you don't laugh. That's the rule. So, anyway, um, I'll try it again. So, it'll take me a few weeks to get to Shavuos. Ah, you're So, first thing that's important, just like I told you with words, words are paths in life. And this is, again, according to the Hebraic tradition that we both share. You know the rabbis and in the New Testament are not always portrayed in the most flattering way. You still share that rabbinic tradition, even if there was a part of the ways. 
the rabbinic model or path, in spite of our parting, is still rooted, Christianity is still rooted in many aspects of rabbinic thought. We know where we part ways, and I'm not interested in that today. I'm here to discuss why we're here together. I'm more interested tonight in why we're together. And we have a holiday that we both share, although there are different aspects to it in our traditions. But one thing you can take home and you can bake on, that just be that, that if the rabbis have this particular practice that I'm going to tell you about, I am absolutely certain from my studies of New Testament uh, thought that the apostles and the disciples followed this particular practice. Not all, but this one. Names in the ancient world were not accidental. Well, what's your name? I'm sorry. Roy. Roy, why is your name Roy? Floyd. Floyd. Okay, well, why is your name? Why is it Roy? Why is it Floyd? <laughs> okay, and that's it, right? Doesn't give you a path or an insight into your life? Or does it? This Roy? Maybe you should have the name Roy. <laughs> so, Floyd. Okay, Floyd doesn't know what his path in life is based on his name. And that's 99% of human beings alive today. In the ancient world, whether it's the Hebraic world or any ancient world, names were paths to define our lives. Okay, that's why all the names have a story. Because exactly. many names have a story associated with them. Okay, why was Adam called Adam? Because it was Mina Adam, who's from the ground. Why was Eve called Eve? Because she's the mother of life, mother of the living. Why is Yaakov, uh, Jacob called Jacob? Because he was a heel, right? He was grabbing the heel, and so forth. Esau, Esau, I'm saying in English, he was hairy. Okay? Now, it doesn't make sense in English, but all the words are sort of rooted in a story. So every name has a story because every person has a story and a path in life. Same thing, it's a philosophy, and it's the same thing with the Chagim, with the holidays. The holidays do not have accidental names. They are given those names because they are a guide for us in life. So Shavuos... Yeah. <laughs> I'm writing the S big with a bunch of arrows to it. The guy's name is a tall. Yeah. Yeah, but now it's Okay. Thank you all for coming. Appreciate it. I can't be in a congregation that does not stay soft and tough. All right. So, Shavuos, the name. God bless The problem I had when I, when I, I really appreciate what he did to me, asking me to speak this time, because he says he got 25 minutes. I want to speak on Shavuos. The problem is I can never, as you know, get more than my name out in 20 minutes. But Shavuos, I can't speak of Shavuos. This is a Hebraic way of approaching the text. You can't speak of Shavuos because first you've got to discuss the name, which is a whole philosophy. But you can't speak of Shavuos because Shavuos isn't an isolated event. Shavuos is connected with Pesach. Right? Everybody know Pesach? Yeah. Or as my friend called it, Pesach? She said, what's Pesach? She said, look. I said, Pesach is Pesach. She said, oh, okay. Um, anyways, Shavuos is connected with Pesach. So if I discuss Shavuos with you without having a reference for Pesach, this is a compromised understanding. Because it assumes this. And so far on the other side, it's not just the beginning. Then what do we end up with? This is for you, Chaim. I'm going to cough, but it's going to be tough. I'll get it out. Sukkot. <laughs> okay? Boots. Right? Sukkot. Sukkot. There you go. Thank you. So we've got, we've got Pesach and Sukkot framing Shavuos. But these are not just events. They are philosophies. And this one is in the center. And to make it even worse, what do we have between Pesach and Shavuos? We have the Aymer, or the Omer, okay? And even worse, what else do we have with Shavuos? We have Rus. How do you like that? Rus? Yeah, Rus. All right. You'll rue the day that I spoke on Rus. Trust me. <laughs> Different spelling. R-D-E, regret. Yeah. I wasn't enough like that. Yeah, that's slow. All right. <laughs> so the problem with speaking sometimes, and then he tells me to also speak on the book of Acts. Because in Acts chapter 2, it discusses Pentecost. Great. So, I've got 20 minutes to do all this. So, it ain't happening. I figure you guys can do the Acts. Because this is a comical act right now. That's what it's turning into. 
I figure I'll give you a foundation so that you can see where your historic Shavuos Pentecost came from. And then we can discuss its development after. If or we can discuss more about its the historic aspect. I don't I don't mind whichever. But I've fully convinced myself that I will not get to any of these. But I am going to try and link up. And the reason we, we cannot uh, exempt Pesach and Sukkot from Shavuos is because they're linked biblically. They're the Shlosh Regali. Right? The three feet. <laughs> the three ascending holidays where you go up. Okay? So if they link it, I have to link it. I can't just discuss one. It's like discussing a word or the letters of a word. Well, I don't care about the letters. I care about all of them together. It's a theology here. Chronologically, they're distinct. They're unrelated, right? They're months apart. But theologically, they are connected. And there is a theology. And it's not just that they go up to the temple three times a year. <clears throat> First thing we have to understand is Pesach. And again, this is Pekitzer, briefly. Pesach, we all know, is to get out of the, the base of Adin, the house of slavery, right? That took us out of Egypt. And again, this is not about Pesach, but just to get a context. So it's about freedom. What our freedom context is in Judaism and Christianity, what Pesach became, another discussion. But we all know historically it was getting out of Egypt, right? Mimi Um If these weren't linked in the Bible, I wouldn't link them. But they are. And they're linked more intimately. Pesach and Shavuos are linked more intimately than Shavuos and Sukkot. They're all under the umbrella of Shlosh Regalim, the three holidays where we go up to Jerusalem. But these two, Pesach and Shavuos, are linked intimately by the county, the Sfiras HaOmer. Sfirat HaOmer. Is that better? Which is this... What Pesach is... At Pesach... We start with the barley off, the day after Pesach. And again, we're not going to get into the historic time of when do we start counting the omen. It's a fun debate, but you know the Falashas have one, the, the, the Karayim and the uh, Sadukim have another, and the rabbis have another. Um, but whatever it is, everybody agrees it's got to be 50 days. When we start counting is a different issue. But there is, you count seven weeks, that's why it's called Shavuos. But I assure you that the philosophy is not about weeks. That's not why they gave it this name. I assure you that, because names are not accidental. It might mean that, but that's not what it ultimately means. Pesach is about freedom from historic Egypt. If freedom was the end goal, it wouldn't have linked it up with something else, with an intermediate process of the Omer. Shavuos, in rabbinic thought, represents, everybody knows, Matan Torah, giving of the Torah, Matan Torah, right? I like my first person I told someone I remember in Israel I said I was talking about blah 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 Matan Torah. She said Matan. <laughs> I said no, Matan. No. Right. So the idea of Shavuos is not biblically, and I will acknowledge this is one area where the rabbis pulled this one out. They pulled this one out of their hat. Shavuos historically had nothing to do with, with, with the giving of the Torah, with Matan Torah. Okay, the names are key. And Shavuos isn't the first name either of the holiday. But I'm just going to associate this for a moment, then we'll go back to the names. Freedom is not an end. Okay? It's wonderful, and I don't know where I heard it, but freedom is a freedom is a prison when your longings are undefined. Okay, it's a profound statement. I didn't make it up. So I can't take credit for that one. But I never forgot it. I, I forget what, who, who said it, but I never forgot the, the statement. And the truth is, because we think today, oh, I just need to be free, free, free. No. It is freedom. It is not simply freedom from a pharaoh, whatever your pharaoh is, your demons, your, your, your addiction, your struggle, your illness. It is metaphorically speaking. It is not simply freedom from. It is freedom for. For what? For Shavuos, which is Matan Torah. It is freedom from so that we can be free to, or free for. Free for what? To serve God 
through the Torah. That's why these two are linked. Because freedom in Judaism is ultimately in Torah. That's the theology behind the inner link. That's the inner link that connects them. And that's the theology, I think, that the rabbis are trying to say. And, and again, because of time, I don't want to go into how it developed from an agricultural festival into a spiritual festival. They have their little hints, right? Moses went up in the third month. What's the third month after Pesach? Nisan? Sivan. E-R? Yes. So it's the third month. So they have their little proof text, but they're all cute. Okay, they're not... Nobody really thinks that uh, Moses was celebrating Matan Torah. Back then it was an agricultural festival. However, this is the philosophy of the theology of how the rabbis work with the text. Once the agricultural dimension fell out of, uh, into disuse because of the destruction of the temple, what are they supposed to do? So they reinterpreted the holiday and gave it a new context. Now, are there some connections between it? Absolutely. They're all part of the same category of festivals, Shlosh Regalim. They're intimately linked by the Omer, Pesach and Shavuos. Omer is a measure. Measure of what? It's, a, it's an offering. They brought a certain measure every day. They did a little wave offering of sorts. Of sorts. But Omer is a measure. So here's what the rabbis do. They try to deepen the link. This is freedom from, so that we can be free for. Pesach, freedom from, not simple freedom, but freedom, true freedom, which is found in Torah. Being a slave of Torah, so to speak. That is our true freedom. Okay? Historic Judaism. I understand we part ways in certain areas, but I'm speaking historically. That this was our freedom. Torah. The giving of the Torah is our source of freedom. The way that we do it is through the measuring. Not the, the, not the, the grain measurement, but metaphorically we measure ourselves. Same word. How do we measure up to being a recipient of Torah? Rabbis say that that human decency, being a mensch, precedes the Torah. That Rabban, Rabban asks Nachmanides, how come there's no commandment to be a mensch in the Torah? Right? You didn't use the word, word mensch. You know what I mean. He says because it's foundational. It's assumed. He says not the Torah. He also says that. It can be a pig, you know, a louse. And, and, and keep all the Torah, but that doesn't mean you're keeping Torah. So there's no commandment in the Torah to be a decent human being, specifically, because it's a foundation. So what we have to do in order to receive the Torah, in order to have Shavuos, Matan Torah, <clears throat> we have to, during Pesach, we have to refine ourselves, measure ourselves, make sure we are growing and ascending, right? Malim B'Kaidish. Increasing in holiness. So that we can be a fit vessel to receive the Torah. And the first name for the Chag Shavuos is Chag Akatsia, Which is the festival of the harvest. The cutting. Okay? Why? Because it's about, if we want, again, I'm using, and I'm, under, I'm completely understanding this is not biblical, but I'm telling you the rabbinic theology of this holiday, because that's more important. To receive the Torah. Remember I said there's the Omer? They reinterpret that as 49 days of inner reflection and refinement. And they have 49 steps. The rabbis made up this whole fabulous list of meditations that we go through to try and refine ourselves so we can be a fit vessel for the Torah. But the word itself, the first word, and first key. Says the rabbis say, first is our beloved by God. So the first name in the Torah is a theology, not simply what you call it. And it's Chag cuts here because it means to cut. It's the harvest. Okay? This holiday will ultimately allow us to blossom, to grow, to be at, to, to reap that harvest. If we want to reap our harvest, Torah, Shavuos, Matan Torah is the way, that's what nourishes us so that we can have our harvest. But it means to cut also. 
because we have to cut away those aspects and parts of our being that prevent the holy from impacting us. If you have pride, if you have anger, whatever your emotions are that are unholy, those are like, uh, what's his name? Superman and, 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 and uh, crypt, kryptonite, right? Lead was a barrier. The kryptonite couldn't go through it, okay? Holiness cannot penetrate pride or anger or ego or any <coughs> the other other selfishness, okay? So we have to cut away, and that's why the first name is Chagakatsin, because if we want to reach that harvest and reap that harvest, we have to do that omer of refinement, of cutting away. That's the name, the Chagakatsin. It's called Shavuos, okay, that is one of the names, means weeks. We literally do count the 49 days on the 50th day. It's the Pentecost. The Septuagint calls it, and that's what it's called in the New Testament, although not in the context of the giving of the Torah. Something else was given, right? The word Shavuos, here's where the theology deepens. Okay, you can see that basically, poor writing as it is. Shavuos, without the, the kudos, without the vows. This word has in it seven, which is where you get the word week, right? Weeks. But it also has the word shavua, which is an oath. So you can say it means oaths? Well, no, it means weeks. We know that, you're counting. But since it has that other nuance of oath, that's not simply accidental, and it's not simply random. In its, it's, it's intimately associated with it. Shavuos is a metaphor for time. And weeks. It's just weeks, time. Because to receive Torah, it takes time and practice. But it also takes Shavua, which is an oath, which means commitment. If you want to develop Torah, Right? We want to have that Torah life. It's something we have to be committed to. It's something we have to refine ourselves with. That's the Omer. And it's something that takes time. It's an eternal process, ultimately, because the Torah is eternal. Torah is Hashem Tamima, right? Meshibah's Nafesh. Right? The Torah of the Lord, Psalm 19, is perfect. Perfect. Restoring that soul. The problem is we're not perfect. But we can be in a state of perfecting through contact with our sacred tradition. And I'm going to leave off Sukkot as the end, and I'm not going to go into many other names for it because then it just gets too confusing. But this holiday, without this holiday, according to the rabbis, just so you understand the rabbinic mind on about Torah. Torah is intimately associated with this, even though not biblically. Again, they find their little proof texts, but it is not overt in the Bible. Neither is the time. It's the only holiday that's not given a specific time, like a date. It's given weeks. Yeah, 49 days. But the truth is, if you know your Hebrew calendar, sometimes Nisan can be, it can be a full month or it can be a, a lacking month. The months change. Some of them 29, some of them 30, right? So there's, it's either on the 5th, 6th, or 7th of Torah, uh, of, of, of Siman, that the Torah was given. Well, how can it be given on one of three days? Well, because it depends. If Nisan had uh, 29 days, and a VR had 29 days, okay, then it would have been here. But if Nisan had 29 and ER had 30, then it would be here. And if they both had 30, then it would be here. So nobody disputes that it's 49 days. The problem is, how many days does each month have when you count the 49? The rabbis, however, figured out, in their infinite wisdom, that it happened on the 6th. 
of Siva. Okay? Sixth. They have a cute proof text. I like cute proof text. But there's a theology behind it that I want you to understand. Because whatever our differences are, we both hear reverence for Torah. Okay? We might practice it differently, we might understand it slightly differently, fine. But everybody here, this is not um, you know, some, uh, what do they call it, covenantal theology low church, okay, where the Jews are done and now we are the Jews, basically. We are Israel, right? God is done with the Jews. So, we differ on Torah. Fine. We're not here tonight to discuss that. And I, and I mean that. We all revere Torah here. Okay? It's not just a reference for you. Oh, yeah, yeah, it says this in the Bible, says this, says this. That's a reference. Here, it's, it's something we all revere. It's something that we have a reverence for. Yeah? So, so do the rabbis. And what they do is they, they, it's a beautiful, beautiful insight that they have. Again, you can accept it or not. What they do with the word Shavuot, with the holiday of Shavuos, that it's on the 6th of Sivan. How do they know? Well, we know it's in the month of Sivan because Moses went up in the third month in Exodus 20. Right? He went up in the third month, which is Sivan. However, when, when we speak in Genesis 1 of the creation, we say, Right? Yeah, but I was asking that. <laughs> so, the creation story, all of the days are given as days. Except Shabbos, which is ha. It means the. Hashishi. The sixth day. So the rabbis say, well, why did they put the on the sixth? That'd be something. You don't put a definite article on something unless there's a point to it. That's the chair. I want the chair, the book. It's specific. They are intimating in the creation story something very important. Otherwise, they wouldn't have put the on this. And if you notice, we start our Shabbos with Yang Hashishi. It's an incomplete sentence. <laughs> the sixth day. Yeah, Fine. What about that? It's not a complete sentence. They, that's why we say the Lachash. We say it silently. We say the, 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 the verse that leads up to this. But the point is, it says Yom Hashishi, the sixth day. Not just day one, day two, day three, or second day, third day, or whatever you want to call it. Because the the is something special. What is the sixth day? It's the sixth of Sivan. Mm-hmm. It's a reference for that. That's their reference for Torah. Look what they're doing. In the creation story, they're telling you that Torah is going to be given on the sixth day. And they have a fascinating insight into this. Again, this is not pshat, the simple meaning of pshat, the simple meaning. This is a pshat, this is a deeper insight. Right? There's pshat, there's pshat. You've got to go to Yeshiva to know the difference. Anyways, very happy, crazy. Because pshat is pshat, right? No, pshat is one thing and pshat is another. So, if I say pshat, this is what I mean. If I say pshat, this is what I mean. Got it? Good. <laughs> um, according, so when we say, I told you I was going to say, Dave. Uh, so the first pasuk of the of, of the Torah is. Sorry, the first verse of the Torah is in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth, right? That's my song. There. So it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? Everybody knows Hebrew here that one thing about Hebrew, nothing is capitalized, correct? Yeah. Wrong. Well, right, but wrong. In the Hebrew Bible, how do they write Breshis? Okay? No. Right with a suff at the end. <laughs> but they write this enlarged. The base is enlarged. Well, why? It was either a scribal error or they wanted to draw your attention to it. Remember I told you words have philosophies, words have theologies, names have theologies? Guess what? The Jews are nuts. So do words. So do letters. <laughs> letters have a theology or a philosophy. It doesn't just mean but. Yeah, but means in the or in a. Rashi says... Since it's enlarged, since it's enlarged, there's something else more 
that we need to see in it. Otherwise, they wouldn't have said it's big. There's a bigger point. Rashi says this means bish, vil, okay? For the sake of, reishi. Shot here, the point here is, this is, this is now, uh, this is probably, tell me if I don't say, look at it. Rabbinics is weird. I will tell you outright. When they do their homiletics, it's a completely different animal than what you hear in the normative uh, Christian world or in the modern Jewish world. They have a very different way of interpreting a text. So tell me if I'm not clear, because sometimes you think something's clear in your own head, but you don't explain it well. This means in the beginning, no doubt. But they draw your attention to this letter and say it's bigger. That means it, it's more than just a letter that means enough. It's a word that means bishvil, which means for the sake of. Okay? For the sake of. For the sake of what? Well, that's the rest of the word. Reshit. For the sake of the first. Meaning, for the sake of the things that are called the first. But still doesn't help. Well, guess what's called the first in the Torah? Israel and the Torah. The first of my fruits and the Torah is called the first. It's called the first. So, for the sake of the things called the first, Reshit bara Elohim, God, God created the heavens and the earth. For the sake of the Torah. For the sake, listen to that. The world exists because of Torah. Because that is ultimately where we find our freedom. And it restores our soul. If you, there's, a puzzle, there's a verse in Jeremiah. 30... Something. <laughs> 35. Near the end. Thought I was going to talk about Jeremiah 31, didn't I? <laughs> 35, 20. Thirty-three. That'd be better. Thirty-three. Twenty-five. Okay. Yeah. So God word God word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah and says. Thus says Hashem, 25. If my covenant with night and day would not be. Now the rabbis understand that as if my covenant to study. If my, to study the covenant night and day. But, but just regardless, if my covenant with night and day would not be, okay, then heaven and earth would not be essentially established. That's the a loose translation. If I didn't, what's the covenant? That's the Torah. If the Torah wasn't, heaven and earth wouldn't be. Covenant with day and night. <clears throat> the world. Heaven, the world would not exist if it wasn't for Torah. Okay? If, if I didn't have this covenant, heaven and earth wouldn't exist. It's a powerful look. Whether Jeremiah, was that was his original meaning, I don't know. But he's talking about covenant and heaven. These are my laws and these wouldn't exist. Rashi is saying, for the sake of things called first, which is Torah, the world was, the heavens and the earth were created. Okay, this uses heaven and earth in this passage. Shabuos is central to us as Jews and as Christians, or I'm not sure what non-Jews here call themselves, but whatever you are. Messianic. It's Messianic, fine. Uh, it's sacred and central to us. The foundation of the world depends on it. It's for the sake of the things that are called first, Israel, and for the sake of the things called first, Torah. So this is the overarching theme, and that's why in the creation story itself we have these two poetic references to the depths of what we call our Torah, or that explain the depths of the Torah. That on the sixth day of Sivan, Yom HaShishi, on the sixth day, what is that special sixth day? It was the sixth of Sivan, when we got the Torah. That's Shavuos. And it was for the sake of that Torah that God actually created the world, that we would live a Torah life. However, we live that life. Okay? 
And it's a process. It takes weeks. That's why it's called Shavuos. I mean, I'm being metaphorical, but that's... Judaism is not simply black and white. It has a black and white side to it, but it also has a lot of in-between the black and white color range, right? There's a spectrum. So, it's a process that takes time, Shavuos. It's something we have to refine ourselves to receive. Okay, that's the Hagakatsya, that's that harvest, that cutting away. If we want that harvest of Torah, we have to cut away those unwholesome parts, the weeds of ourselves. That's the omen, right? When we have Pesach. If we want true freedom, which Pesach does not mean true freedom, I don't have to, I don't have any rule, I can do whatever I want, that's not freedom. That's prison. Remember, freedom, freedom is a prison when your longings are undefined. Torah gives you your proper longing. That's your true freedom. So, our ultimate freedom is found in that Torah, which is the purpose of the world. And I'll just give you one last term. It's called also the Yom Bikurim, the first fruit, the day of the first fruits. If you want to produce fruit, you want to blossom, if you want to use the harvest metaphor, take Torah seriously. Take Torah into your life. Understand that the names are a path, that the holiday is a path. It allows you your true sense of freedom, to experience that true freedom. And however we differ on the notion of Torah, that's not my concern. The point is that you adopt and adapt that Torah in your life through the process of cutting away, of harvesting, of having that measurement, that, that, that omer, that measuring, that wave offering. Okay? <clears throat> so that you can ultimately achieve the Shavuos, over time, if you have the Shavuah, the oath, the commitment. See the story? And then ultimately a desert in Sukkot, your little hut. Because what's the idea of a hut? Something you dwell in. The ultimate goal is that we dwell with God. Okay? We need the Torah to do it. You have to refine yourself to get to the Torah, to get the Torah. But ultimately it's to dwell with God. Uh... Oops. <laughs> My clock is fast. Uh, sorry. Yeah, any questions? You didn't stop me. <laughs> I do? Okay. Yes, no, no, no. Let's, I, I didn't get to Acts because I thought, let's first get a, an understanding. Rather than just have a superficial understanding and then compare them superficially, yeah, here there was some noise and there was some thunder and lightning and so forth. I don't want superficial comparisons. Um, so if you want to discuss X, well, I'll do my best. But otherwise, we can discuss any questions you have. Thank you, Scott. Yes. Um, I had a question about biblical names. Um, are you saying God influenced the parents of, like, Jacob to give him that name? Or is it more rabbinical tradition decide to give this person this name or this other person that name? Rabbinic tradition understands the names as defining your path. But so does the ancient world in general. I mean, just stay in our own country, talk about the Indians. I mean, their names, everybody's heard the joke, you know, there's funny names. And then they tell a story about it. And I won't tell the story because one of them is very funny. But all ancient societies are much more storied than we are. That's the Bible, according to the rabbis. Not that God told the mother to name them this. But that was the way of ancient life. You call somebody by who they are to be or become. So their names could be Bob in the beginning. And when they turn 20... Everyone decides to call him Jacob. No, he was given the biblical name. They called him Yaakov because he was grabbing on to Esau's heel. Okay. The story is explicit. Okay. So it, the reason it's giving you that story is to say, you know, what is his? But his name also means Yisrael, right? Yaakov became Yisrael. So again, let's. If I have a minute, 
I'll, I'll just give you. Here's, here's the theology. Yaakov. Uh, English. Probably not the right spelling in English, but as a K-O-B? C-O-B? Well, that's good enough. Yaakov. The truth is, remember I told you every one of you is Adam? At least I believe that. I believe the stories in the Bible are not, whether they're literal or not, I won't debate. But they are not only literal. And if you take something literally that meant to also have, or so only literally, that also meant, was meant to convey other nuances, you are aborting the message of the text. I choose a word intentionally that has this as its main meaning, but these as subtexts to give you a deeper insight. And you ignore them, well, you've ignored me. I did this intentionally. The name Yaakov means heal. And you are Yaakov. Heal? So am I. Just to stay in his good graces. We are all Yaakov. But what has Yaakov become? He becomes Yisrael. He becomes Yisrael. Not bad. Not bad. He becomes Yisrael. But guess what? Even you, heal, become Yisrael. We all do. These are metaphors, not just for the historic context of his life, but for us. Because the truth is, we all start off pretty miserable, don't we? Heal. What? Remember I said Adameh, Adameh, to be like, Adameh Elyeh, to be like something like God, to be spiritual. What is Yisrael? Well, we know what it has there, as El, and different interpretations, but just to do one. This also means to wrestle or struggle, right? So, what's the point? We are both. We are all heels, and the way we transform ourselves is by wrestling and struggling with a spiritual practice, with El. If we want to elevate ourselves, it's the same thing we were discussing with Pesach and Shavuos, with the Omer. Okay? We have that measuring. We need to measure ourselves, refine ourselves. A spiritual life is a wrestling match. And if you're just out there grazing on the grass like a cow, and everything is all bliss, and I, Jesus loves me, or Moses loves me, or whatever it is, everything is beautiful, if you're not wrestling, at least Judaically, I'll say, I don't know about any other tradition, but the spiritual life is a nasty wrestling match. And look what happens to Yaakov when he does it. Okay? He's walking like this after. Okay? It's nasty and it's brutal. But he walked differently as a result. He was transformed. Okay? But this will put a crimp in your life. You will walk differently. You will come out bruised, like you do in every wrestling match. Okay? You might even get cauliflower ears like they do. You've never seen them. All right. Um, the point is, Yaakov's name was historic. Yeah, he was holding on to Esau. But it was also connected with Yisrael. And we are all Israel. Jew and Gentile alike. This is a derech. This is a way of a human. How do we go from being a heel to being Adam and El All men are heels. Right? Nice feminine bumper sticker. Feminist bumper sticker. Right? All men are heels. Um, but we can rise and become divine like. We can, as long as we are wrestling with whatever our tradition is, i.e., God. If we are struggling to become like God, Godly, we're doing okay and we're on the right path. So, no, that wasn't in the story. But the stories in the Hebrew Bible all give us that opportunity. That's how the ancient world worked. You can't take the names of today and say, uh, Floyd, not Roy, and this is your meaning. Okay? Back then, that was common in the ancient world. And I don't care what part of the world you go. And in fact, when people take on in Judaism... They convert, or they become a Baal Tshuva or a Baal um, uh, you know, Orthodox. They take a new name. You go to Indian traditions. What's your name? It's, it's this long. Where's Jessica? 
Jessica, can you hear me? It's Karnataka, not Karnataka. She, she questions my Hindi. <laughs> How dare she, right? Karnataka. Um, so all ancient societies changed their name because, they, in fact, when a Jew is near death, they changed their name. So the Malachamagas, so the angel of death, might not, it's a metaphor, but he might not get you because your name changed. Because it's not you anymore. So the name represents a change in you or who you are. He became him. We can all become him. Yes? Got it. Anybody else? Yeah. No. <laughs> you don't have to ask. Yeah, but you're yeah, first, you're second, you're third, you're fourth, you're fifth, and we're done. <laughs> well, she beat me up last night, Joanne. Just for the record. Say it again. Did I hear you say that the Torah was created and it is also eternal? The Torah, I don't, I said that the Torah is the purpose of the world. Yeah, there's a midrash that says, in fact, uh, the homiletic rabbinic teaching, it says God looked into the Torah mm -hmm. to create the world. So there are, they have different midrashim, different versions, but several things existed before the world. And one of them was the Torah. Right. So the, what is that saying? It doesn't mean that God really looked, does God have eyes? They look into the Torah? And was it a JPS version? Was it an Arsenal version? Was it a, what's the one you have? <laughs> Trade life? Was it, well, I don't know which one he looked into. It was none of them. Okay? It's a metaphor. Or this is what I mean by understanding non-literally statements. You can't take these things literally. The idea that he looked into the Torah is to create the world is telling you that the Torah precedes the world, not just chronologically, but naturalist in a natural sense. It is outside of the world. It is heavenly. Uh, if you want to use a, you know. A, I understand that. So it wouldn't be. <coughs> so the Torah is eternal, right. in a sense. Uh -huh. uh, so he did not create it. God. God did not. I mean, here's what I find fascinating because you read the New Testament. Yeah. And you would have understood then John's approach when he says, "In the beginning yeah. was the word." Right. And that's a very rabbinic way of arguing. Yeah, it's it's hundred percent. In fact, the Greek is in Archaic Nalagos. It starts off with the yeah. same. Language of the Septuagint starts off with yes. Rashis, the yes. Genesis. Right. Same Russian, right. same language. Right. Theology is different, fine. But I didn't, because of time, personally I think John and Acts 2, specifically, Acts 1 leads up to 2, because 1 precedes 2. How was that? that <laughs> All right, that's what I got my PhD in, counting. Um, and it's, so, and we're in Sphere Saomer, so I have to learn how to count. Uh, oh, so one more thing. Yes, yes. What was your question? John, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. There is a different theology developing there from normative Judaism or historic Judaism. It's rooted in, as are all the Gospels, I mean, who talks about genealogies, right? Of course Matthew was a Jew. He's talking about genealogies. You know, the Hittites didn't talk about genealogies. But he did, so he was trying to root it. Because genealogy is a Jewish way of expressing theology. Hear me on that. Anybody here read uh, First Chronicles, uh, first nine chapters? Snore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Snore. It's all genealogy. I don't know, it's like 10,000 names. I fell asleep. But it's a theology there, because it's different from the genealogies in Genesis. And those are theologies. Just like Jesus is the, uh, Matthew's genealogy is a theology. Okay, that's a Jewish way of expressing things. Everybody else looks at it and says, snore. And they miss an important aspect of their text. So, John, yes. And that's why in Acts 2, I mean, it's not, it's, to me, it's not a coincidence that it is being expressed. Because you're supposed to go out into the world, right? And you had your tongues. Well, what do you do with your tongue? You speak. Okay, it's, it's a metaphor there for words. And that is your new Torah. Okay, the Torah is made up of words. What are the Ten Commandments called? The Ten Statements. That's what was Sinai. Right? 
the Ten Statements, not the Ten Commandments. It is not the Ten Commandments. I don't care what any translation has here. Even Chaim will back me up on this one. It's the Ten Statements, okay? So, Acts is developing in a different way that theme of Torah. It's the Torah that is now to be spoken to the world, that great commission. Yay? How about amen? Whatever. <laughs> so the Torah is eternal, but it is, I guess you would say, a conditioned eternal. You could say, in a sense, without trying to get too theological, um, in the last remaining moments, maybe I'll leave it, because it, the only thing that's eternal is God. And how that works out with God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Again, that's what I was going to discuss and make a comparison between the Torah. But it, it's going to be, a, uh, it'll take more time and I'd rather hear more questions. But Pentecost, which is the 50, that's all it means in Greek. That's what the Septuagint, the Greek version of the Jewish scriptures translated by Jews. They translated it as the 50. Because it says you'll count 49 days and the day after. Okay. Uh, they just call it 50. But again, the point isn't the counting or the number of days. That's not the essence of the teaching. But for Pentecost in the New Testament, it is that process of that eternal Torah that you are to go out and speak in your great commission, in your great commission that you're all commissioned to speak. Yeah. Let's take, we'll take one more question, take one question, and then well, officially we can close. I'm sure Joe's probably okay to stick around to stick around to ask some more questions, but we'll officially sort of what came to mind as you're relating that is that when Yeshua said, go, go and wait for me as he was ascending into heaven. In other words, he was saying, go out to the world, but he said, go out and bring the Torah. Is that? To bring the word of his father, or God to the world. Is that what, was that what he really meant? And that's what the disciples had to pick up and do. They were. I think Acts 2 was the commissioning. Right. But that gave them the power and the spiritual. He, huh? he signed came from Yeshua to them. And yes. Sort of like gave them the imprint of what they had to do. They had to go boldly and whatnot. And anyone who carries the Torah, knowledge of the Torah, has to be bold, like the Jews, you know, they stood up to the Torah, to death. That's why the, the language is, I brought an ESV. Let's see. Acts 2. He says, the ascension, Okay, because that's the baptism, remember. Some ba he, right? John gave me baptized in water, but Jesus baptized in the Spirit. This is, I think, the baptism of the Spirit. Right? So, uh, to go out, and yet they were not to go out fearfully. They were going out with the Spirit of God. Yeah, there was a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and began to speak in tongues. Now that's different from 1 Corinthians tongues, but um, they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Uh, to me, it's what do you speak with? You speak with words. What did John say? In the beginning was the word. It's the same language as in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. I think he is proclaiming and this is their divine commission and their divine touching that baptism of the Holy Spirit not water that will allow them as disciples to go and proclaim and, and fulfill the great commission that Matthew speaks of. And that is carrying continuing the Torah completed in Yeshua. Yes, certainly following, when he says, if you love me, follow my laws, it's, it's not the Torah that you might see in ancient Judaism or modern practice. What we would 
more follow more of, but his Torah, the Torah of Jesus, so to speak. The Torah of the Father. Right? Yeah. Passed down. In other words, it, in other words, it was the reinforcement of Yeshua's true mission. Even though for himself, he came to the Father. And all through the New Testament, he speaks of Yeshua's relationship with the Father. And it also teaches us to know our relationship with the Father and him that that will reinforce us to go out. Mm-hmm. And that the Holy Spirit is the manifestation. And the power mm-hmm. that allows you to do so. Right. And that's what's been carried on all these centuries of fulfillment of what the great mission was. The mission of God first, of his Torah, of his, and then his continuation of the assignment of each Adam mm-hmm. has to do. Mm-hmm. And we, as Adam, you know, uh, we have to take on that responsibility. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's, that's how you are an Orla right? A light unto the nations. Right. We're all, well, we're all or lights unto the nation. Right. They, they were the first ones to receive the light of God. Mm-hmm. Of, of God. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Hi. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for, for coming. We're going to finish with a word of prayer. And uh, Joe's going to hang around here until about midnight or so. <laughs> uh, as long as David's kids are. Uh, so if you have any questions, um, by all means, bomb him. All right, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to uh, hear about Shavuot. And, uh, I don't hear you. I don't hear you. Know that, Lord. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Lord, uh, for the festival, for the Torah, for your Ruach. Thank you that you sent us out to be or lagoyim, uh, a light to those who are in darkness. And we uh, thank you that you do all that, and we are willing and eager to say, Hey, thank you, Lord. Yeshua's name.